Every day is a battleground in the spiritual realm. And you and I have the opportunity to be a part of God's army and to shed that love and the light of God in a world cloaked in darkness. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. We are certainly a blessed nation today because of so many who've been willing to lay down their life and pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. Freedoms to worship, freedoms that we get to experience every day in our nation, and that comes at a very high price. The Bible says there's no greater love that we could ever experience than someone being willing to lay down their life for another. So thank you to all the men and women who have served. Thank you if you're viewing today and you've served our country. On behalf of a grateful nation, I say thank you for your loving sacrifice and for all you've done for us. Well, today we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about how we can lay down our lives, how we can uh, give that act of love to the world in which we live. It may not be with a uniform. It may not be on a foreign battleground. But it's in the spiritual warfare that's fought every day. Every day is a battleground in the spiritual realm. And you and I have the opportunity to be a part of God's army and to shed that love and the light of God in a world cloaked in darkness. We're in a sermon series called The 11th Commandment. The 11th Commandment is what Jesus gave to his disciples as a new commandment. He said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Before they had been taught... Love your neighbor, love your God. Jesus brought clarity to all that and said that really shows up in the form of who I've been in your life. I have demonstrated for you what it means to love God and to love your neighbor. So as I have loved you, you are to love one another. As we look at this phrase, love one another, or the one another's, uh, it's a Greek word. You can see that on the screen now. Uh, there it is in the, in the Greek. It's a one word in the Greek that we've split into two words. You can see there that it's used a hundred different times in 94 different verses in the scriptures. A third of those verses are all about how we demonstrate love for one another in our unity. Another third of those verses is how we love one another in relationship. And then 15% of those scriptures deal with how we love one another through a humble spirit. And then there are a variety of other ways in which we demonstrate loving God by loving one another. You know, sitting in church with one another is not one of the one another's. Unfortunately, over time, church has become a spectator sport that happens on Sundays where we used to, remember the days we used to gather together and we used to be in this very event center, this worship sanctuary, and we worship together and we called that church. Well, just gathering with one another is not what we see here in Scripture. The one another's are how we are the church in this world. And we continue to do that every single day, even during COVID. And even though we can't meet in a room together corporately, we can still be the church as we live out the one another's. So we're digging through, out of all these different expressions, 59 different ways that we can love one another. I remember back when I first started ministry and I remember our middle schoolers, they were uh, kind of trying to figure out a way how they could grow our middle school ministry, and so we had a theme verse, and I want to show you that theme verse. Our ministry exploded out of this one another verse. Uh, you can turn to it. It's not John three sixteen. It's not Jesus wept, but you'll find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 
Now, I'm going to give you the context. First, we're going to look at verse 11, and then you'll see the theme verse. Verse 11, finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. The Apostle Paul is instructing the church about what a loving body of believers should look like and the things we should be committed to, that we should be a people who are rejoicing, and that rejoicing comes as we live out a like-minded faith, understanding that we're all different, that we may think about things differently from different perspectives, but we can still have the mind of Christ. We can still be kingdom-minded in all things. He says that we're to live in peace. It means we're not to be waging war against each other, and we're not to battle with flesh and blood. But we are to engage an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That our battle's not with flesh and blood, but with spirits and principalities. And so it's in the spiritual realm we engage and we fight that spiritual warfare, but we demonstrate it through a spirit-filled life that's demonstrated in acts of love, lived out in lives of peace, being at peace with one another. So look at this powerfully spiritual one another that our middle schools cling to. Their theme verse, verse 12. Take a look at it. And greet one another with a holy kiss. Man, our eighth graders got all over that verse. They got real spiritual, real, real quick. And we watched that ministry just explode. I'm being a little silly there with verse 12, and yet that was a picture of the New Testament church that they were actually a, a family of faith that was affectionate, that was able to greet one another, not just in person, but affectionately they would reach out with a holy kiss. Now, that's how you build a middle school ministry, but how do you do that today in a COVID generation where we can't even shake hands, we have to stay distant six feet? Well, don't get hung up on the specifics of a verse like verse 12, but let's dig into what we can do, what Scripture says we should do. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul, again, exhorting these believers. Uh, remember the context, what we study in the book of Romans. Is his audience wasn't just a collective group of same people, of same backgrounds. It was a very diverse and, and, and very complicated fellowship. You had people who'd grown up Jewish all their life and had come to realize that, that they had a Messiah, and that Messiah was Jesus. You have Gentiles that were in Rome that had heard the preaching of Paul and and, and had heard that there was a way that they could be right with God. They had been taught by the Jews that they were Gentiles and that God didn't love them. And now they were converts. And now they were living amongst each other. Of course, with Rome and all of its power and all the people it brought into this region, there were all kinds of people with all kinds of different backgrounds. And the Apostle Paul is teaching them how to be a family of faith. Let's see what it looks like. Verse 9. He says, Let your love be without hypocrisy. The Apostle Paul was addressing an issue that's real in any body of believers, not just in his time, but also in our time, that we can claim to be lovers of God and lovers of people and yet be hypocritical in our love. He says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. He goes on to say in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. I want us to break down this passage this week, and let's add on to the uh, understanding of what the 11th commandment really means, of how we love one another as Christ loved the church. That's what Paul's teaching here. Here's another way that you love like Christ loved. First of all, we cannot be hypocritical in our love. 
Being hypocritical in our love is where we bring a natural love to a spiritual body. We are no longer our old natural selves. We have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And now we live a new life in Christ, a supernatural life. And yet, if we're not careful, we know the supernatural Christ, but we don't let the supernatural Christ live through a spirit-filled life, and we go back to natural love. And when we love naturally, like all the rest of the world loves, we become hypocrites. God didn't save us just to take us to heaven. He saved us to give us an abundant life, to fill us with his spirit, and for his spirit to live through us, that we would love others as Christ has loved us. Let's make sure, certain that we're not being hypocrites in the way we love, that we only love the people that are like us, or we only love the people who are lovable. How do we love our enemies? How do we love those that are different than us? How do we demonstrate the love of God in our lives? Are we being hypocritical or are we being genuine? You see, genuine supernatural love is where we have a genuine love for God. And because we've experienced his love in our lives, that same supernatural love is flowing out of our lives to other people. Our love for God is depleted, though, as we look at this passage. Look at verse 9 again. Our love gets depleted. We go from being supernatural love back to natural love when we cling to unrighteous things. And so he says, don't be a hypocrite in your love by clinging to those things that are evil. Gossip, bitterness, strife, jealousy, factions, envy, all those deeds of the flesh. When we cling to those things, it deteriorates the ability to love supernaturally. We begin to love naturally. We withdraw our love from those who aren't loving to us. We withdraw love from those who aren't like us. And we're no different. We just go to church on Sunday morning. The Apostle Paul said that's hypocritical love. Don't let that happen. Don't cling to unrighteous things and unrighteous ways of living and unrighteous thinking. Instead, love each other and let the love of God reign in your hearts as you desire his righteousness and his righteous will for your lives. I would encourage you today to examine your relationships as the Apostle Paul was doing with his audience. Is there a relationship where you're being hypocritical? Is there a relationship in your life where you're demonstrating a natural way of loving rather than a supernatural way? And today, confess that as sin and let God build within you a powerful testimony. You see, the body of Christ is building a testimony. We're going to see as we look at the language here in the Greek that what Paul was teaching them is that we are a family. We're a family of faith. And yet, as you go through the history of the church from when it was birthed at Pentecost until today, we find that the enemy has done a clever job of sneaking in and getting us to resort back to natural love rather than supernatural love. Instead of experiencing a spirit-filled life, we experience Christ in our hearts for salvation, but we don't live that out in our relationships. And so throughout the history of the church, we find seasons where body of believers, instead of demonstrating that supernatural love, actually love just like the world, or actually withdraw love just like the world. As I was thinking about this sermon today, I realized somebody once told me the number one reason why people aren't members of a local church, a local body of believers today, the number one reason, what do you think that is? What do you think the number one reason why people today say, I don't go to church? They say the number one reason is because they used to go to church. Because they used to be a part of a body of believers that acted naturally. 
there was turmoil, there was strife, there were heartbreaking situations. And, and just thinking about that comment, that the number one reason many people aren't involved in a church today is because they used to be involved in one, that's heartbreaking to me. More so, it's heartbreaking to the Lord of the church, the bridegroom, and watching his bride go through this kind of heartache. The Apostle Paul was speaking into that, and he was instructing the church that it should not be this way. Instead, look at what he says. Instead, we are to be devoted to one another, devoted in brotherly love. The Apostle Paul begins to unpack a truth that the church needed to see. They had been preached to, just as you have, that we were to be people of agape love, that God so loved us, agape. That word agape, as you well know, means unconditional love. It means loving when we're not lovable. It means loving us when we didn't want to be loved, and yet he still loved us, agape love. We all know what love looks like according to 1 Corinthians 13, and we know that we're to demonstrate agape love in this world. But now he takes this step and he says, as you're living that out in the world, know that among you, one another, love one another with a brotherly love. Now there's a new Greek word that you've heard before, phileo. It's where we get our word for Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It means to love a person like a family member, like a brother or a sister. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, yes, we live under God's agape love, but we also should have a depth among us, a brotherly love, that we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, sometimes it's hard for me to understand why we pull away from each other so easily. You remember this song? You remember the song that was so popular that said, sometimes it's hard for me to understand why we pull away from each other so easily. Even though we're all walking the same road, even though we are walking the same road, yet we build dividing walls between our brothers and ourselves. But I, I don't care what label you may wear, if you believe in Jesus, you belong with me. The bond we share is all I care to see. And we can change this world forever if you will join with me. For you are my brother and you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. The song goes on to say, there's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. That whole song was picturing these truths that the Apostle Paul was teaching the church in Rome. That we were to stand together as brothers and sisters, not as church members, not as Okies, not as Americans, but we stand together as a family of faith, this brotherly love that we're to have for one another. The song goes on to say, a day will come when we will be as one, and with a mighty voice together we will proclaim that Jesus, Jesus is the King, and it will echo through the earth. It will shake the nations and the world will see that you're my brother you're my sister. It goes on to say, so the time is here and the time is now to take a stand and make a vow. I won't let go. You're not alone. Now and forever we can sing together. You're my brother. You're my sister. Today as you're listening in, I know that we haven't been able to gather together. A few of us have during Lawn Chair Church. Many have been able to and needed to stay at home and shelter at home for a season. We see now a surge in and, and a spike in COVID, uh, COVID cases among us and a new consideration, what does that mean in our culture? And yet there's this hunger within us to congregate together, to be together, to fellowship with one another. And that hunger is a holy hunger. 
It's a hunger because we are family. We're not just a church at 114th and Rockwell. We're the body of Christ, and we're brothers and we're sisters. And that's what Paul was driving home. He was driving home this supernatural bond that God produces. Literally, this word in the Greek means a supernatural bond that only God can produce. We can't manufacture it. Matter of fact, if you look at most natural brothers and sisters, what happens in most of those relationships? We're always pounding heads and we're always fighting sibling rivalries. Yet the Apostle Paul uses the picture of a family of a brother and a sister or two brothers that are one, devoted to each other. That family bond, and we're going to see in Scripture today, that's even thicker than flesh and blood. We are to love each other as families. Do you ever have any issues with your siblings growing up? Do you ever have a season where you didn't get along with one of your siblings or perhaps somebody within your family? What did you do in that? Did you kick them out of the family? Did you get kicked out of the family? No, as a family, we work through those things. As families, we'll disappoint each other and, and we'll have those sibling rivalries or we'll have those difficulties within family relationships. We're still family. And it may take some time, and it may hurt, but we work through those things. Well, how much more in the family of God? The sad thing is, what I've observed in 30-some-odd years of ministry is most families of believers, most brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of working through those differences or working through those difficulties, have a tendency just to divorce, to just spread out and to break off, to break up, form another church or go here or leave there. Rather than understanding we are a family and we are to be devoted to one another like brothers. Jimmy Fallon, one of the late night talk show hosts, was documenting hashtag dumbest family fights ever. And one of the ones that was noted I found rather humorous. A little girl had written in and she said, here's our dumbest family fight. Our annoying aunt made the whole family do beach meditation. Here we are gathered on the beach. We're all having to do beach meditation with our crazy aunt. And then she stopped and she asked all of us to share and describe our happy place. She said, leave it to my dad. My dad spoke up and he said, I'll tell you my happy place. My happy place is this trip without you. That was his response. Well, a lot of times in family circumstances, we can get a little irritated with one another. We can be bothered by somebody and their response to life. We don't divorce, we don't divide, we don't break up. Apostle Paul says, be devoted to each other. Even when they're being crazy, even when they're frustrating you, walk together as one. Recently, I was back with a former church where I had a privilege of serving, and a very special church family to me years ago, and, and now they're going through a difficult pastoral transition. They've had some difficult times uh, uh, just very, very difficult, and, and, and factions started developing in the church. After years and years and years of peace, now I'm watching brothers and sisters in Christ be at odds with one another. It's heartbreaking to watch those things happen. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there at some point in your life, and we have to realize we must be careful not to let the enemy have a victory, to not play into his hands, but to be devoted to one another, to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We live in a very interesting time. We live in a day and age where everyone has hundreds and hundreds of friends on social media. But very few of us 
have deep-rooted brothers or sisters in Christ. Friends and relationships, they're even deeper than our relationships we have with our family. I want to give you an example of this kind of love that Paul was talking about, and it's pictured in the Old Testament. It's a picture of Jonathan and David. So we look in on their lives, these two men, radically different. Nothing really in common other than living in Israel. You see, Jonathan had, they both had different parents, and yet they were deep friends, deep brothers, different parents. Jonathan's dad was King Saul. David was the son of Jesse. They were very uniquely different in their backgrounds, in their makeup, and yet they became blood brothers. David was a shepherd. Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his armor. David had a slingshot and a harp. Jonathan grew up in a palace and was trained in the art of war. David grew up in the little town of Bethlehem and was trained to take care of sheep. Jonathan was the oldest son in the line that was to inherit the throne of Saul. David was the youngest of all of his siblings. Two radically different perspectives, two radically different men, all from different tribes, Jonathan from the tribe of Benjamin, David from the tribe of Judah. And yet despite their differences, they were arguably the best friends this world has ever known. A friendship that was deeper than flesh and blood. And although in their differences, they were able to find a bond, a brotherly love like no other. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look at it. Let's see what we can learn from this kind of love. First Samuel chapter 18. Let's see brotherly love lived out. Let's see what that looks like. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. So we look in on this story. I'll give you a little bit of background. We're looking into the palace. We find King Saul, and, and we find that his son, Jonathan, who is the rightful heir, who will be the next king when Saul is done leading, according to tradition, it was always passed down to the firstborn son. That would be Jonathan. And then we find David. David is a competitor for the throne. He's handpicked by God to be Saul's successor. He's a competition to Jonathan. And yet we read and we look in here, and Jonathan lived differently than all others. No other rightful heir to the throne would ever be a friend to a guy like David. And yet as we look in on this story, we find that they were actually soul brothers. Look at it. It says their souls were knit together. Here's what we know about the soul. We're three-dimensional, body, soul, and spirit. The soul is that part of us that makes us our unique person. It's where we find the mind, our will, our emotions and feelings. And it was in this soul connection that Jonathan and David experienced something powerful, a bond, a one flesh spiritual friendship, a deep, deep relationship, deeper than even Jonathan had with his own natural brothers. He had this brotherhood with David. You see, they were knit together. They became of the same mind. They both were pursuing God's will. They weren't pursuing their own separate agendas. They weren't caught up in all those things. They weren't caught up in the competition. They had one mind. God, what is your will? They had the same heart, a heart for God and a heart for love and people. 
And in that, they had this unique relationship that very few people ever experience on this planet. Look at verse 2. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. We see here that Jonathan took the initiative. He didn't have to. He could have easily hoped that David would die off or something bad would happen or or that he might just fade away and he would still get to be the king someday. But it says Jonathan left all that behind and made a covenant. That picture of covenant is what we see in marriage. A man and a woman who choose to leave their families and unite together to become a family. It's that kind of bond that they entered into. Not a man marrying a man. It was a man saying, I'm going to be your best friend. We're going to be iron sharpening iron, and I'm going to make covenant with you, a covenant that cannot be broken. I care about you so much, David, and I see God's hand on you that I'm making a covenant relationship that I will be your friend as long as we both shall live. It was a death till we part, not until I wish you were dead, not until it gets so bad in this relationship that I'm willing to kill you myself and get crazy like that. No, it's a till death do we part. It's a lifelong covenant. You see, Jonathan put David before himself because that relationship was more important to him than his privilege, his power, or even his position. He was willing to sacrifice all those things that would have made his life more luxurious, more comfortable, more powerful. He left all that because he wanted to be right with God and right with David. He cared more about his friendships, his relationships, than how he related to his own life. What a powerful picture of what it means to be devoted to another person. To take that person into your life just like they're your flesh and blood. That they are your brother. Yes, a brother in the Lord, but but even deeper than a brother in our own family. Everybody wants wants a friend. That's what I've noticed. Everybody wants a friend. Very few people ever want to be a friend or are willing to live like Jonathan did. Take a look at this again. Look at verse 4. So Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David. He also gave him his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. When we look in on that of him giving David his robe, what he was doing is he was giving his right to the throne. That robe he wore was the royal robe. It was his designation that he was the next in line to be king. And he knew that God's favor and God's hand was on David. He knew that that was the right thing, and so he lived righteously, right relationship with God and a right relationship with David. And he was devoted to his God and devoted to his brother, David. Now, they had different fathers, but they both had a heavenly father. And because of that, they had a friendship and a bond that was regal and that was deeper than even relationships either one of them had with their other brothers. I look at this friendship and I see what I want to be in my life to other people as well. I want to be that kind of a deep, spirit-filled brother. I want to be that to, to one another, to you and to other people. But that can only happen as God is Lord of our life. Take a look. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let's keep seeing this brotherly love. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42. Jonathan said to David, Now go in peace, 
For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. King Saul became very discouraged that Jonathan was willing to give up the family lineage to the throne. He got angry at Jonathan, and he certainly was bitter towards David. It didn't belong to David. It belonged to his son and his legacy and to his family. And he set out his desire to take David's life. Jonathan, though, had made covenant with David, and he kept that covenant all the days of his life. He never faded from it. He never doubted it. Even though I'm sure the enemy messed with his head and said, man, what have you done? Look at all you've given up just for another man, for another friend. Jonathan was faithful to the very end. And even here, he reminds David, the Lord is a witness between you and me. This isn't just a temporary covenant. This is a covenant I make to you in my generation, and it shall be a covenant for generation to generation between you and me and our descendants. You see, brotherly love, this phileo love, empowered by agape love, is a covenant love not to be broken. It's a love that is thicker than blood. And yet in our day and age, we Baptists have become known more as being bouncers. We bounce from church to church. We get upset with this group of people or with this or that, and we don't like this. We just bounce to another church. We're not to be bouncers. We're to be brethren. We're to walk through life together. And yeah, there are going to be bumps in the road. And there are going to be reasons available to justify a bounce to another place, to another fellowship other relationships the Bible says we're in covenant with one another walk as brothers and sisters devoted to one another body of Christ today doesn't seem to know this kind of love it knows about it we read about it in Scripture and yet we're content to just go to church together to worship together but God has so much more for us God wants us to be devoted to one another a family of faith from generation to generation. Here's a verse for you, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. I'll put it on the screen. It says, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love, a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Peter would have to go on, and he had his problems. He was constantly bumping heads with the other disciples, and we talked about it. Even last week, how he was in factions with other disciples that last night with Jesus at the Last Supper. Who was going to be the greatest? And they had their factions. But they worked through those things. They stayed together. They didn't divorce. They didn't break up. Peter had to repent, just like I've had to repent, just like maybe you've had to repent. And they worked through those things, and they were still brethren. And he reminds it later in his ministry We're to love each other with a sincere love, and we are to fervently, there's a picture of passion and energetic love, an energy-focused love for one another that comes from the heart. That's what was true for Jonathan and David. Their souls, their hearts were knit together. It's a love from the heart, that new heart that we have in Christ. We have to be careful that we don't love from our circumstances, that we don't love from our natural man, Because if you love naturally, you won't love one another as he loved. You'll love just like the world loves. And that's been the problem for many in churches in days gone by. Very quickly, we need to wrap this up. Go back to the last part of verse 10 in Romans chapter 12. 
The first exhortation is be devoted to one another. Love one another with a brotherly love. But look at the last part of verse 10. He says, so as you're devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another. So be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another. What does that mean to give preference? It means to put the other person in front of yourself. Instead of preferring what you want, you give them preference. You allow them to be first, and you are second. It is a choice. And what Paul is saying here is you have to make it an act of your will. As you love them with a brotherly love, you then do that as you give preference to them. It's a selfless act of the will. It is an intentional decision to say, I'm not going to live for me, but as I live for God, I do that, and I love my God as I love others by putting them first. You see, a supernatural love is one that is filled by the Spirit, which is a full surrender to what He wants. And that shows up in the way we love one another. I think Brother Sean's brought this verse in times past, but look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. We'll put that on the screen as well if you don't have time to turn there. And Paul again would write about how we love one another. He says it looks like this. We do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another. There's another one another. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Not merely looking out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So when we are to uh, look out for the preference of one another, what he's saying here is we're to look out. It's what we see. It's looking at life differently. Satan wants us to look inside and inwardly. What do I want? What do I need? What do I prefer? What's going to make me more comfortable? It's an inward focus. And the Apostle Paul says we need to look out. We need to look through God's eyes, and we need God to open our eyes to see life as he sees it and to love others as he loved us. So go back and look. How did Jesus love other people? Did he give them preference? Did he put them before his very own needs? Of course he did. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't first do himself. He wasn't just a great preacher. He didn't just preach great truths. He lived those sermons. And he asked us to do simply what he did because that's what he wants to do through you and through me so as we look at Philippians he says we give preference to one another when we look out rather than look in and how we see but also how we think he says do that with humility of mind in other words we need to think about what we think about we need to intentionally guard our minds and make sure the enemy doesn't get us to focus inward but that we think about others and we think outwardly what can I do to Make another person's day brighter today. How can I meet a need that they might have rather than expect them to meet a need I have? It's a whole different perspective. It's a whole, way, whole different way of looking at life. We need to make sure that we're rejecting stinking thinking and not taking in all this stuff that the enemy gets us to think about other people, but instead think on them as Christ thinks on them. It's taking on the mind of Christ. Again, no better example of this kind of love than Jonathan David. Quickly, and we'll close with this. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life. And while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish, and Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in God. What I love here is I see Jonathan continuing to be that friend that David needed. Even in one of the most difficult times, 
Even in a time when David was fearing for his life, he was broken, he was exhausted, he was discouraged. Jonathan just didn't pray for David. Notice what he did. He arose and he went to David. He proactively gave preference to David. He proactively arose and it took energy, it took an effort, and he went to David. And what did he do when he got there? He encouraged him in the Lord. That's what friends do. That's what brothers should do. That's what brothers and sisters should do. We should be encouraging each other. And that means sometimes we've got to go to people when they're hurting, when they're lonely. I would encourage you right now as the body of Christ during this time of sheltering at home, safe distancing, not being able to gather as we wish, to not let that stop you from going to people. There's still ways we can go to one another. There's still ways we can have the bond of love, that brotherly love for one another by proactively encouraging one another and pointing people to being encouraged in the Lord. Look at verse 17. Thus he said to him, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul my father will not find you. And he will be king over Israel, or, I'm sorry, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. The NIV actually translates, says, I will be second to you. And, my, and Saul my father, he knows this. He came to David and said, David, the Lord's hand is on you. I encourage you in the Lord. You have a calling. It's a holy calling. And yes, I know my dad's trying to make it difficult. And yes, I know my dad's being evil. And I know my dad is causing you grief. But David, know this. I'm not going to let it happen. And I don't want the throne. I don't want to be first. It isn't about me. It's about God's will. And know this, David. I will be right there next to you. That is a powerful kind of love. That's a supernatural love. That's not natural, but that is a brotherly love that only God can produce. And what we learn in this, that as we're devoted to one another, as we're devoted to God, he produces within us this kind of brotherly love. It's a kind of love that says, I'm second. God is first, and because he is first, I'm to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because that is my first love, I'm also to love my neighbors, my brother. As myself I'm second and I will always make you first that's how I honor God putting that other person ahead of me but we also see here that brotherly love encourages us when we're down when we're struggling when we're having a hard time and brotherly love says I will be right there with you I want you to pray with me today and I want you to pray about how you can live out this truth how you can live out the 11th commandment during these days when there are a lot of people who are sick physically, they're also sick emotionally, they're hurting, they're lonely, they're separated, and, and they just need somebody to call, they need somebody to check, they need a note in the mail, they need some form of loving contact. Would you be willing to pray about how God might use you to be a Jonathan or a David in somebody else's life? But it could be that you're worshiping with us online today and you've never experienced the love of God in the first place. You can't live out that kind of brotherly love because you've never experienced God's agape love. For God so loved you, he sent his only begotten son, that if you would believe in him, you could have everlasting life. If that's what you need today, I would encourage you to pray with me right now and say, Lord, just pray with me. Just bow your head and pray to God right where you are. Dear Lord, I need your love. God, forgive me of my sin, for I've sinned against you. And Lord, today... 
I turn from my sin. I repent. Lord, today I open the door of my heart and I invite you in. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my God. The Bible says that if you just prayed that prayer, you now have received that gift, the gift of God's love, his forgiveness and grace, and you're now his child. You're part of the family of God. You're now my brother. You could be, perhaps, maybe you're my sister now. Would you reach out to our online pastor? Would you just type in the chat box there and say, today I trusted Christ? Our online pastor would love to reach out to you and help you know what that means. And, and we'd love to send you some literature of how you can grow in that new relationship you have with Christ. To my brothers and sisters in Christ who are watching this this morning, I encourage you, let the Lord fill you with his love and demonstrate that love by being a Jonathan or a David to somebody who desperately needs your ministry today. Well, know this, as Brother Sean always says, God loves you, and so do we. Until we're together again, may you glorify the Lord in the way you love one another, just as Christ has loved you. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.